Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. We've all heard that term, land of enchantment, used to describe New Mexico. One of those nicknames everyone knows, but more appropriately, perhaps you could call New Mexico land of mysteries. Gabby, is that fair? Okay, yeah. I can get on board with that. There's a lot of history in New Mexico. A lot of the places to visit are on my bucket list, and I still have not, you know, seen every part of New Mexico. And if I told you that there were buried historical relics, maybe perhaps buried treasure in Santa Fe, would you believe it? I would, yeah. So this isn't Forrest Fenn's mysterious treasure either, which is also now up for auction, by the way, weirdly enough. But another reaction question to pose to you, Gabby, what if I told you that we know exactly where the relics should be, but no one has found them? Are you intrigued? Oh, yes, definitely. This Mm. sounds like something that should be investigated. And what if I told you that the Larry Barker were joining us here today to talk about it? Oh, my goodness. He's sitting right there. I don't think you're surprised. Hi, guys. (laughs) Hi, Larry. (laughs) So what Chris has been getting at is that we're taking a look into a peculiar history-infused story in Santa Fe. Remember the obelisk at the center of the plaza that protesters tore down in 2020? Well, turns out buried underneath that supposedly, according to historical records, is a cache of relics from the 1800s. And that story is at the center of a recent Larry Barker investigation, a man who needs no introduction in New Mexico news. Larry is here with us today to talk all about it. Larry, thanks for being here. You bet. My pleasure. So if you haven't seen Larry's story yet, it's a great watch and a good primer for this conversation. We'll post a link to it in the show notes here on this podcast post and on krqe.com slash podcasts. But as we alluded to, this all has to do with essentially a time capsule buried under the obelisk when it was built more than 150 years ago. This is a story that involved a lot of research to confirm the narrative. So Larry, let's just start with that. How did you arrive on doing this story and what was the process of putting it together? You know, this is a different kind of investigation from what I'm used to. Usually when we investigate things, you know, we we start with a, a Google search and um, we retrieve the documents. We talk to sources, confidential sources, that sort of thing to sort of uh, find out what the, what the facts are. This one is so different, and it's the first of its kind for us. Join Larry as he steps back in time to follow the trail of clues leading to a strong box stuffed with territorial relics hidden away 150 years ago. We heard that there was a so-called time capsule buried underneath the monument in the plaza in Santa Fe. So how do we prove that? How do we know what's there and what's in it and why it was put there? That's where our research started. The bottom line is there was a box of relics that was buried in Santa Fe more than 150 years ago. There was a a big celebration when the event occurred. It was in October of 1867, two years after the Civil War ended. 
So there's a big crowd there, and there were uh, newspaper reporters there. That's the documentation that we had to rely on. Of course, there's nobody alive today. Right, and no pictures, none of that technology that would have captured it any other way. Photographs about 12 years before the railroad even arrived in Santa Fe. So the only way to get to Santa Fe was by wagon, stagecoach, horse. There are a number of historical documents that attest to what went on, which are uh, scattered. Many of them have disappeared through the ages, but uh, there is quite an archive at the state archives in Santa Fe. And that's that's where we started, mm-hmm. is tracking this down. And it took months to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And it was one heck of a story when we were able to find out the details. You know, we talk about buried treasure in New Mexico. And no, it's not a cache of gold and silver, but these are New Mexico treasures. They are historic relics that people back in 1867 thought were important to New Mexico, important enough to put them in a box, bury it under this monument so that someday somebody in the future could see what was important to them in the territory of New Mexico. Remember, New Mexico didn't become a state until uh, 1912. Yeah, so long after that obelisk was built. That's right. The obelisk was built in 1867. It was completed in 1868. This was a government project. took five months. You have the limestone and marble slabs, which were transported by steamboat and by wagon from St. Louis to Santa Fe. This thing was 32 feet tall. Back then, they did not call it the obelisk. It was called the Soldier's Monument. It is two years after the end of the Civil War, and the purpose of the monument was to honor Union soldiers who died in two battles in New Mexico, two Civil War battles, and there were several hundred soldiers who lost their lives during those battles. That was the purpose of the monument, and it was uh, authorized by the territorial legislature. And it was a big deal. So for those who maybe don't know like what a Larry Barker investigation entails, it's a team of two. It's you and your photojournalist producer, Mark Corey. And this involved you guys going to libraries in Santa Fe, right? Pulling these old documents and looking through archives. Can you describe maybe one of the most memorable documents that you guys looked at and came upon? The most complete documentation we found were newspaper articles. When the cornerstone of the monument was laid, the governor of New Mexico made a big patriotic speech. There was a parade. There was a band, a huge crowd. And of course, this time capsule, this box of relics was laid during the ceremony underneath the cornerstone. An event so momentous, it became front page news throughout the territory. The territorial newspapers, they had reporters there because this was such a huge deal. We were able to locate the newspapers uh, from, I think, uh, five different newspapers. Were you looking at original copies? We, we were. In, uh, in the state archives, they have a, uh, a whole section dedicated to the territory of New Mexico, the territorial government. The records relating to this are just fascinating. This is really before uh, typewriters. So 
all the documentation, it was all handwritten invoices, handwritten letters. Wow. The original documents are all in the state archives in Santa Fe. And there was um, dozens and dozens of documents that we located. And I should note that a lot of the copies of those documents have been uploaded to krqe.com. If you look at the story online there, too, you can get a look at exactly what Larry was digging through in this case. Yes, um, yes. You mentioned that, you know, what was in this box, right? Um, not exactly like buried treasure full of, you know, trinkets and jewelry and, you know, precious stones and something like that. But, you know, there was important stuff related to happenings of the time and coins and whatnot. So just wanting to go over a little bit of what was in this box buried in this obelisk dedication in 1867, right? It, things like... Um, as I mentioned, coins, territorial journals, right? A list of military officers, Masonic relics, newspapers, postage stamps, the executive seal of New Mexico. These were all very important, so to speak, during that time, right? Yeah, exactly so. Uh, you know, they, they put in this box the items that they felt were important to them in, in 1867. And this is what they were hoping future generations would learn about them in some future date. It was left open-ended. When would this box be retrieved? When it would be opened? Uh, nobody knew. It just said for future generations. So I was curious, if you learned maybe from the historians at all, the stuff buried in this tin box, do they have any hope or chance that maybe it's still intact? We know from the newspaper accounts that the box was made of tin and that it was, quote, hermetically sealed airtight. Now, in 1867, how were they able to make a tin box airtight? I don't know. It's been in the ground for 155 years. There are a number of paper documents, paper currency, things that would tend to be fragile. There have been other quote, time capsules that have been retrieved under statues and in other places. Honestly, the state of preservation is probably not going to be very good. I would imagine that if they find the box and they open it today, a lot of the documents probably are not going to be in great shape. It's mm -hmm. just the elements, moisture, air, beat underground and all that will take its toll. They're not going to be in pristine shape. So again, just to go over, this is a box of relics. At the time, it wasn't quite considered a time capsule because that phrase didn't quite exist back then. But this tin box buried under the obelisk's cornerstone in Santa Fe, it was dedicated and buried in 1867, said to be buried under a big chunk of limestone. Then the obelisk gets built over the top of it, finished in 1868. The tin box sits dormant until 1968 when crews try to find the time capsule. You mentioned, Larry, in your story that a team tried to pull this out of the ground in the 1960s for the 100-year anniversary. Tell us what happened when they tried to find the tin box. City fathers in Santa Fe, they were aware that there was a box put under the cornerstone. The decision was made that 100 years would be a good anniversary to retrieve the box and open it uh, in a public celebration of the monument. Uh, and this was 1968. A group of uh, businessmen called the Old Santa Fe Association got together and volunteered 
to locate the box, the time capsule, retrieve it. They actually designated Memorial Day 1968 as the day that they were going to open the box. So they knew it was supposed to be under the cornerstone of the monument. And so they started digging and they could not find it. They brought in a crew scientist from Los Alamos who used metal detection equipment, ultrasound, to try to locate the box. After about five months of searching, it was decided to call off the search. They were digging underneath it to try to find the box. The stability of the monument was in jeopardy, and they were afraid that they were going to damage it. So the city decided just to, to call it off. The hole was filled in, and that was uh, roughly 55 years ago. And since then, really, people just kind of forgot that there's a time capsule underneath that monument. Wow. Since your story has aired, you know, have people sort of reached out to you or maybe emailed you in that, in that amount of time and said, hey, wow, I remember this now. It seems like a story like this helps bring that, that memory back. Well, the, the last search for it was 55 years ago. All of the individuals who participated in the search at the time are deceased. They're gone. Because we tried to find them to say, get their experience of looking. They're all gone. And have people reached out to you since your story aired and said anything about this or, or intrigued? You know, there's a lot of interest in buried treasure. And people are really fascinated with the memory of something mysterious being buried anywhere particularly in New Mexico. So, and, and it's right there in the plaza. Now, there is the possibility, it's a slight possibility, that the box is not there. If it's not there, then it's been stolen. It hasn't been officially retrieved. But the likelihood of that being stolen is extremely remote. It would have had to have happened shortly after it was placed under the monument because there is a several-ton limestone block sitting on top of it in a very public place, the plaza in Santa Fe, and you can't just go with a shovel and start digging and not have somebody notice. So is it still there? Probably. Why wasn't it located? You know, we don't know. Uh, maybe they looked under the wrong corner stone, uh, maybe they didn't dig deep enough. Maybe it is sitting in a cavity in the cornerstone. The description said it was laid underneath, but there's also some that say that it's in a cavity in the cornerstone. It's it's hard to say, but uh, even a team from Los Alamos couldn't locate it. Uh, so we don't know. Where is it? Good question. My money is on it being somewhere underneath the monument. It's just a matter of using scientific methods to locate it. And um, archaeologists with the state of New Mexico are ready and willing to do it if they were had the permission to do it. What do you think is next for the obelisk? The city of Santa Fe has to make a decision about what they're going to do with the monument. 
the obelisk part of the monument, these are the stone uh, pillars, if you will, were torn down. Santa Fe crews are at the plaza right now cleaning up what's left of the obelisk protesters tore down. This culminates three days of protest over the controversial monument. Uh, so the only thing remaining is the limestone pedestal and a large plywood box has been placed around it. The monument was torn down two years ago. The city of Santa Fe has yet to make a decision. What are they going to do with the monument? Are they going to rebuild it in the same location? Are they going to remove it and put something else there in the plaza? We don't know, but it's been two years and Santa Fe has yet to make a decision. If there's a decision to move the monument and either uh, permanently remove it or put it someplace else in Santa Fe, if that limestone block is removed, that would be a perfect opportunity for the archaeologists to come in and do a scientific search for the time capsule. With that limestone block sitting there, it makes it much more difficult to determine where is the time capsule. But the ne to answer your question, the next step has to be Santa Fe's got to decide what are they going to do there in the plaza. The why question. Why find this time capsule? I know historians love to see the information in there, and perhaps that has something to do with that. But why should anyone care about finding this? You know, that's a really good question. Why is this important? Why, why should we care about it? A tin box of historical relics, uh, which, you know, doesn't have uh, intrinsic value, but it, it's part of our history. It's part of our history in New Mexico. And as the state historian told us, it's important that we search for it because our ancestors wanted us to find it. This tells us about what was important to people who lived 150 years ago in New Mexico. And we will learn something about them, about our history, by locating this box. It's a snapshot of... New Mexico, 150 years ago, right after the Civil War. And to historians, it is a treasure. It's, it's, it's something that hasn't been seen in 150 years. Find the box, let's open it, and we will learn something about who we are today. I think that's a great point. And this whole conversation and watching your story, Larry, for me, maybe this is because of the profession that we do, but it brings up what I feel like is such the importance of documenting history and the role of journalists. And you've been at this for such a long time. So I have a question maybe unrelated to this story particularly, but what keeps you going at it all these years? You know, every story to me is a puzzle and I, I like puzzles and they're mysteries. And my job is to assemble the pieces of the puzzle and put them all together and solve the puzzle. Whether it's a crime, an unsolved crime, or whether it's a misuse of public money, we do the same thing with every story, this one included, and that is find the facts. And once you find all the facts is report on it. Finding the facts is much more difficult because they're so old, and we can't use modern technology to ferret out the facts. Sometimes, and many stories, you know, we, we try to assemble all the facts and get all the pieces of the puzzle, and sometimes you can't find 
one or two pieces of that puzzle. And if you don't have all the facts, you can't do the story. So that's really what makes this job so interesting to me. Every day is different because every story is different. Do you have a favorite story over all these years? You know, I, I get asked that a lot. And I have many stories that have been fun for me to put together. I have quite a few favorites. This is certainly one of them because it's different. And, you know, once or twice a year, I like to do a story like this that is just different. It's, it's just something that nobody's done before. And it's an unusual investigation. It's a different story. But yes, I've got a number of favorites, but it's, there's, there's just too many to mention. And I, I, I wouldn't say that there's one story that, that shines over all the others. I've been doing this for, gosh, um, you know, 45 plus years. And that's a lot of stories in my career. You know, when, when, after I complete a story like, like this one, which we just completed, I, I say, this is my favorite. Yeah. Well, it's my favorite, <laughs> not right now. Yeah, right now. But I'll, I'll do a story uh, uh, next month. And I'll say, that's my favorite. That's your favorite. Yeah. I remember Bob Martin would say that his, his favorite story was always the next one. Yeah. Um, I have to agree with Bob. Yeah. This is such a rare opportunity to get to learn from somebody like you in the business. Like you said, you've been at this for 45 years. You know, you do have a lot of wisdom to impart on young journalists, but how has journalism changed in your perspective over the years? And does any of it bother you or encourage you? going forward? No, it's just, I think the, the tools of the trade are, are so vastly different today. The business has changed so much. And I think the biggest change for everybody is the technology. Gosh, what did we do without Google, without computers? I, when I first started in this business, we were shooting stories on film and there was no such thing as a computer. We would type out stories on, on typewriters and making carbon copies of scripts. And the technology today is just, it's unreal. It's unreal. But that's really what has changed. You know, the faces have changed, of course, through the years. Journalism has not changed. It's the tools that uh, allow us to do our job that have vastly changed the business. But journalism is the same. You know, you, you still have to be fair you still have to have the facts. You still have to be um, unbiased, and you still have to write clearly. Accuracy, that doesn't change. So the, the bottom line about journalism today, that hasn't changed. It's simply the tools of the trade. What would you tell young people interested in getting into the profession at this point? I would say just be a well-rounded person, um, Educate yourself about your community. Read the newspaper. Know what's important in terms of community issues is just be a well-informed person. Have a good education, and you can succeed in this business. You know, and have some curiosity about, about your world and about your community. Larry, thank you. Yes, thank you, Larry. It's such a fascinating story. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Well, 
thanks again to our special guest today, Larry Barker. He's our chief investigative reporter here at KRQE. As he mentioned, he's been doing this for now 45 years. So, man, the stories that that man can tell, I'm sure. If you want to check out more of Larry's stories as well, November is usually a pretty busy month for Larry. Uh, Traditionally, the November sweeps month, as many people know it by name. So Larry has a lot of stories that usually publish in November. Uh, you can always check those out at krqe.com slash Larry dash Barker. Don't forget the dash in between Larry and Barker. That will get you to the page where all of his investigations live. Get to interview him usually about his investigations as well. We do these behind the story segments that kind of are podcasty in a sense. And we get to hear a lot more about the process behind the stories. And one other thing I will say is that towards the end of the year, out usually for those best of Barker specials, which is a good recap on all of the stories that he's done this year. So there's a busy guy and uh, we appreciate him taking time to talk to us about this story. Very neat. And check out this one, the time capsule story. Fascinating. That's on krqe.com. And also a photo gallery is with that story. That is really cool. I advise you take a look at that. There's great photos of the obelisk through the years and you can just see how the plaza sort of has evolved around that. I don't know if people caught this, but the editor was showing me Larry standing in the plaza and then our editor Tommy did this really cool transition and like match framed Larry in the exact spot of the plaza with that old photograph from the 1800s. So go back and replay that section where you see Larry standing in the plaza. That's a real photo from a really long time ago. Maybe not the 1800s because now I'm thinking photos, but it's a very old photo. Really cool. An old photo and a time traveling Larry Barker in that <laughs> uh, moment, which is very fun to see. Shout out to our, our one of our lead editors here, Tommy Garcia, who made that happen. Very yeah. cool effect. We will have another episode for you all next week. We hope you enjoyed the holidays. Feel free to reach us. I'm at gabrielle.burkhart at krqe.com with any feedback, story ideas, questions, concerns. You can also find me on social media at gburknm. And I'm chris.mckee at krqe.com. That's the email address, if you didn't know. That's chrismckeetv as well on social media. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.